Welcome into the Warehouse, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles and Major League Baseball. The Warehouse is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hello, and thank you for joining us on uh, The Warehouse. It has been quite some time since we've had a show because, well, they're not playing baseball and there's not a whole lot to talk about. So I am Rob Shields, and I am joined by Matt Corey and Bob Harkins. Um, guys, since it's been a little bit of a minute since we had a show, why don't you guys just reintroduce yourselves to the audience, uh, let them know where you've written, where you are writing, what podcasts you're doing, that type of stuff. Bob, you can go ahead and start. Yeah, Bob Harkins here. Good to see you guys again, or be here with you guys again, I should say. Um, yeah, I'm an editor at MSN.com, at least for another month until the layoff comes, and then I'm looking for opportunities. So <laughs> anybody has a job, they hit me up. Why not use the platform, right? I also have a, a documentary sports podcast called Raised Sports. I uh, just finished season two, which was about a minor league baseball player. Yeah, Matt Corey. Uh, I've been covering baseball on the internet for a long time. Sports runner, Fangraphs, Baseball Prospectus, most recently The Athletic. Um, and uh, yeah, um, it's it's uh, it's a weird time to talk about sports, but um, you know, I think we're gonna try. So hopefully, everyone uh, bears with us and. Um, and, uh, and we don't sound, uh, too callous or, um, or anything like that. So, but, uh, it is, uh, it is a pleasure to talk, uh, to talk with, uh, with you gentlemen again. And I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely uh, excited for the opportunity to have a conversation about something that doesn't matter at all. I think that'd be great. Yeah. And, and obviously we're here to kind of lighten the mood, so to speak, and talk sports and everything. It's not that we're not recognizing what's going on in the country and the rest of the world, but you know, we are a baseball show, so we don't necessarily need to delve into all of the myriad of problems that we're all dealing with right now. So um, let's dive in uh, right now to what's going on with major league baseball. Um, There's a lot of plans being thrown around about what should be done, hopefully will be done or whatever. So um, Bob, let's start with you. What, do you think should be done? Which of the plans that are out there are something that you're for or interested in seeing? You know, <laughs> this is so hard, so hard for me to talk about right now because I'm a baseball fan and a huge baseball fan, and I want to see baseball, of course. But as we know, there's just so many other things going on without, I know we don't need to dive into it all too deeply, but I mean, we all need entertainment. We need fun. And I want to see baseball games. But the most important thing is health, right? And obviously, if we're not going to have fans at the games, the fans will be, will you know, they won't be harmed by having baseball games. But the players, the people that work in the clubhouses, who work at the stadiums, you know, those those people need to be, their health needs to be the, uh, the priority, everybody. And... You know, I guess I'm not so much caught up on which plan I want, but I I would like to see the most. I just would like to make sure they are 
figuring out how to do this and to keep everybody as healthy as possible. And also to make sure that the players are properly compensated for these sort of extra health risk they will be taking on by heading back out to the ballpark. I think that's a good point, uh, about, um, you know, about health. And I think, you know, with, with the goings on that we've had, uh, you know, in the country and the world over the last week, it feels like, at least here in Oregon, it sort of feels like COVID-19 has been pushed to the back burner a little bit, um, <clears throat> which is uh, just weird. I didn't think that would happen, but I, I clearly know nothing about anything. That's, that's the big topic. Uh, the big, the big takeaway for me is that I just know nothing about anything and I need to just open my ears and listen to people and learn because that's the most important thing to do. But uh, I think finding a way, getting back to baseball, that uh, finding a way that the games can happen without making people sick is got to be the, the major goal um, of MLB and the players right now. And I'm, you know, I, I haven't read every article there is, and I'm obviously not, you know, in the negotiation sessions or anything, but I haven't heard much about, you know, the specifics of how they're going to keep uh, not just players, but, but as Bob points out, you know, all the other people who are involved in making a, uh, you know, major league baseball game happen, uh, how they're going to keep all those people healthy. And, and what you do if, if somebody does get sick, which seems kind of like it's going to happen to me. I don't know. Um, so then how do you, how do you fix that problem? Can you quarantine an entire team? Can you quarantine multiple teams? What does that do to the schedule? What does that do to the umpiring crew? And on and on down the line, and there's so many questions, and it just feels like the you know the rush to do something to get back to normal. I I haven't you know heard satisfactory answers to to any of those questions, um, not from Major League Baseball or the Players Union. And, you know, from other sports too, like hockey's all gung-ho to, to jump back on the ice now. And that, uh, I, you know, <laughs> Gary Bettman gave a press conference and people asked him for specifics and he was kind of like, no, no, no. It's sort of like the old David Letterman routine, you know. Um, anyone got some gum? So, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know what the answer is, but I hope that safety is, is the paramount uh, goal. And I can't say that, you know, from what I've read and heard over the past couple of weeks that I have a whole lot of confidence that it is. For me, I, I don't, I don't disagree that we got to keep these guys safe, but I think we all know that all of this is about money. I, I think at the end of the day, the reason we haven't heard much about it is because at the end of the day, the players, they don't necessarily care. Now, they might care if you're not paying them X amount of dollars. They'll pretend that this is the reason. But, you know, when you hear a player say, well, you know, we may not play because it's not safe for us. But yet, on the same token, if the if MLB was like, well, we'll give you, we'll go into your demands, the players are going to play, no matter what they're talking about as a health risk. I, I, I firmly believe that. So, 
<clears throat> I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> I don't particularly care what plan they, 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 they play under. I just want them to play. I mean, I've, I've heard people say, well, the 50 games, what's the point? I, it, there's enough of a point for me just so, I, so we can watch it. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a huge fan of the idea of the World Series being, you know, in Thanksgiving or, or in December. But, you know, on the other hand, if, <clears throat> if you just move everything and you're playing games in Florida or California or something like that, and you get more games, is it really that big of a deal? Probably not. Um, <clears throat> to, to me, what the bigger issue here is, is because I do think they'll eventually figure out a way to play. Players only have so many years of their career. They're only going to be able to make so much money, and I, I, it's hard for me to believe that they'll give up the money and give up you know, a season of their career, um, <clears throat> service time, and all that kind of stuff. It's hard for me to believe that'll happen. <clears throat> but what I find interesting about all of this is if and when they play the schedule – if it's if people like the idea that the season is shorter, they get more into it and stuff like that. Does Major League Baseball look into doing anything where they shorten their season? Not not to the point that they're going to this year, but say they make the season 150 games or 145 games or something. Maybe put an extra round of the playoffs and stuff like that. With the idea that maybe people become more interested if there are less games. I I'm curious if something more. We're, we'll we'll get into the minor leagues and the draft later and why we think that that's probably uh, their way of trying to push things forward for the future. And I wonder if there could be something, even if that's not their intention right now, something where, where that could be a result uh, down the road. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's a great question. I, I mean, I guess I would assume it comes back to what you just said. And that is money. Like if they can, figure out a way to make the same amount of money or more money with fewer games than they would do that. But, you know, a lot of those, a lot of their money comes from these broadcast deals they have with the regional sports networks mm -hmm. that every team has. And those that's easy, easy filler all summer for those 24 hour uh, sports networks that a lot of them don't have a lot of other content to, to, to show. So, that would be my question. Like, how do you how do you make that money back? That you're going to have some unhappy regional sports networks if you if you cut the games back well, too guess, far, and maybe you cut them back a little then, bit. Maybe you add playoff games in place. Yeah, uh, I don't know. You yeah, guys, I think what that's what they would do. I think if you cut the games back, you would have more playoffs. You, you'd have probably at least one extra round instead of a you know the, every series would be at least a get best of three or best of five. So I think there would be more national TV money that would come in. Um, the local TV money, I don't know how much it would change. Like I know, for example, for the Orioles with Masson and everything, you, you're, you're paying a subscription for that as part of your cable package here. And I don't know if that's how it's done everywhere, but for the Orioles, that's part of your subscription. So whether you get baseball ending in mid-September or in early October, you're, you're, I, I think we're paying the same amount of money. Um, or maybe the, the, the regional sports networks decide, hey, we're going to up it up. We're going to up it a quarter or 50 cents a month more uh, on your package where most people are going to be like, eh, we don't, you know, we don't even notice that. But, you know, $6, $10 a person every year for however many people that are doing it, that, that money can add up pretty quickly. So I would guess there's ways around it. But I, I mean, I think we, we all agree it definitely has to be a situation where the players would still get a piece of their the piece of the pie that they want. And same with the owners. I think if you're talking about shortening this, season, there's a whole lot of different issues involved. One of which, like you guys correctly pointed out, is the TV contracts. Another is something that the players union and the owners are fighting about right now 
And that is, are the players paid a salary or are they paid on a per game basis? Um, and so, you know, you're talking about if Mike Trout's going to make $30 million a year for 162 games plus playoffs and uh, et cetera, but for 162 and <clears throat> If you're shortening the season to 130 games, well, that's 30 games off the top. Whatever the math is, maybe he should make 25 million. You know, I'm sure Mike Trout's not going to be cool with that. I'm sure the players' union's not going to be cool with that. Um, I, I, yeah, I think I think it I think it's really difficult to to do it for that reason. Also, um, I I. Don't disagree, Rob. That they 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 will try to expand the playoffs. I I I think they will. One one issue with that though is that playoffs are like you pointed out. Playoffs are a national TV, you know, income situation. Um, whereas, you know, when you when you're cutting games, you're cutting uh, games that you know regular season games, and you're you're cutting into the the local. Um, you know, TV contracts that each team has. Um, so you're sort of pulling money out of one side and pushing it to the other. And while I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know like what that means <laughs> or how the owners would deal with that or how, uh, <clears throat> you know, whatever, but, but I think that there's probably some, some issues there that would need to be ironed out. Um, but to me, like it's just not going to happen until you're able to get the players' union to, uh, you know, to acquiesce to that. Um, and you know, like you pointed out, there's there's probably ways to do it. Certainly, long term, um, expanded rosters. I, I don't know, um, but uh, but I think I think it's uh, it's it's definitely. Um, Definitely problematic to uh, to get that done uh, quickly. I think. Yeah, I, I don't think they would cut more than say ten or fifteen games at the most um, for the reasons that you just said. I just wonder if you know if you can sit there and say, "Hey, let's play less games." It keeps maybe people a little bit more interested. It doesn't sound like a lot, ten or fifteen games, but you know, you're talking you know potentially close to ten percent of the season that you knock off there. Um, my, my thought is, is, you know, they continue to look for ways to improve the game. And, and you know, the, to me, the, the biggest detriment to, to Major League Baseball right now is Rob Manfred. I think he's terrible. And, you know, every, everything that he wants to do uh, is seemingly a bad idea. And, you know, but the overall idea of we need to get young people watching the sports um, is, is valid. And one of the ways that you do it helps you do that though. Well, does it? I, don't, I don't know either. I mean, it could, I mean, <clears throat> it could make it, you know, may, maybe the season is more excited, exciting because of it. People are, you know, you, you know, maybe you're not, you're maybe if you shorten the season, you're not, you're not, um, you know, you're not sending down your best minor league players for the first three weeks of the year to, to, you know, to steal service time or something, because now all of a sudden it's even much more precious. I don't, I don't no, know. That's the CBA issue. That's, that's got to be ironed out in the CBA. How well, they, how no, they... no, no, for sure. But I'm just saying from a fan's perspective, I know like if we're talking about the Orioles, O's fans want to see a guy like Ryan Mountcastle and using the LDS and some of these guys where the Orioles might say, well, you know, we're going to get a month away. We're, we're going to send them down for a month so that we can steal that service time. So that might be more exciting for fans. I, I don't know. And, and part of me, look, I'm perfectly fine with the season, how it is, but there's a lot of people out there who feel the season's too long, that games drag on too long. 
you know, whatever, you know, all the different factors. And you just wonder if there's different things that they can tweak that could be a result from what they do with this shortened season that they can carry over for the future. I'm sure there's things that they could do to tighten things up. No question about it. Um, I'm not sure that, um, I mean, they're spending so much money on, you know, on player salaries and on free agents and uh, new stadiums and all this sort of stuff. It just, I don't know. I'm having trouble wrapping my head around cutting the season down um, as a, as a way to generate fan interest. That seems to be kind of the opposite uh, of where, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you make the season longer, but, um, but yeah, cutting into your product seems like uh, maybe the wrong way to go to me. Well, you you would also have to be adding playoffs, which is usually when you get more viewers and more excitement, usually. Baseball is such a regional, yeah, local game. Like yep. even the national playoffs are not huge drivers of, you know, like fan interest. I don't, I don't think it's not like the NFL. It's not even like basketball, where once the playoffs starts, everybody's like, you know, even Wizards fans are like, ooh, basketball, and you know, playoffs. Let's see. Like, do Orioles fans really watch Dodgers Padres wild card? <clears throat> game? I mean, I, mean, I kind of think they do. Like. I could be wrong. I kind of don't think so. I don't know. I, I think that actually, I think these are all great points, by the way, but I, I think what you just said, Matt, is speaks to one of the issues baseball has with marketing, mm-hmm. right? The, it is very regional. You tend to follow your teams. And and uh, how do you get that widespread fan interest if it's not the Yankees against the Dodgers? in the world series or, you know, or the, or in the earlier rounds as well, if it's not the big market teams and, you know, would shortening the season help build widespread fan interest or shortening the season, replacing those games with playoff games? I don't know. I don't know if I, I wish I was a marketing wizard and maybe I would know, but uh, I think that's an interesting question and, you know, would it work and will they do it? Two different questions, but, uh, interesting topic for sure and i don't know i don't know if they'll if they'll try it or not but maybe this could be sort of a test run no, i think, I think oh. that's true i think there is sort of a test run kind of idea going through sports now right like all the different leagues are kind of like hey let's just try it let's see how it looks so um i you know like going back to your initial question rob i think you know you sort of posed it like that like Maybe this will lead to something. And I totally think that's true. You know, try it out and see how it looked in this sort of, you know, odd scenario that we find ourselves in sports wise. And uh, maybe, uh, maybe they'll find something that works better. You know, it's good. I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and let's face it. It's not just sports. Everything is going to change from this. You know, I mean, uh, my, my work has gone from, you know, everybody at the office to everybody teleworking and then saying, you know what? everything's going great. Maybe we don't need you guys back or we only need you guys if you're essential to be here and the rest of you can stay home and, you know, then people don't have to rent office space and stuff like that. So I think, you know, everything is going to change in one way or another because you see, hey, maybe this way does work better. So it'll be interesting to see. It's easy to see how that can happen for the regular people. It'll be interesting to see how it happens for like the athletes and stuff like that, how that carries over. Um, but, um, before we move on to the last, to, to the next topic, just real quick, Bob, do you think they play this year? 
Yeah, I do. If you're just asking a straight yep. prediction, I think they'll play. They'll have some sort of thing. Matt? <laughs> Don't ask me what that'll be, but I think they'll have some sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think they'll play. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they had to stop, if they start up and then have to stop. Um, but I think I think a baseball will be thrown in a Major League Baseball game at some point this summer. Yeah, I, I would bet on them playing. I don't know if I would bet money that we'll see a, a World Series just because of what you just said. It, it could crop back up and, you know, th- that could happen. Okay, let's uh, – Oh, you know, ahead, one interesting off. thing, sorry, sorry, we, before we move on, one interesting thing that they may watch is what's going on in Germany with the Bundesliga, uh, which has started up and they're playing games now mm-hmm. with no fans in the stadium. They're <coughs> testing their players twice a week. Uh, and I haven't heard any plan from Major League Baseball on what their testing plan would be. Maybe I, I just missed it. But it'll be, they, I think they've been playing for a couple of weeks now no positive tests that I've heard of, uh, but it'd be interesting to watch and see what happens there in Germany and to see if that affects what the leagues here in the United yeah, States um, do. No, no, sorry, sorry. just ahead. to add on to that, because one of the ta- one of the things that we've been discussing on the uh, Baltimore Sports and Life message board is if is if there's any possibility of allowing any amount of fans into the stadiums. Uh, like, like for example, the obviously as we talk about the Orioles, the you know Oriole Park holds about forty six thousand people. Can you have ten or fifteen thousand fans? Which is about what the Orioles would have anyway. So they they they've been following following social distancing for a few years now. But if you were to only sell certain tickets, you know you're closing sections off. You're closing certain concession stands. If not, you know, I mean, they obviously wouldn't close all of them because they'd want to make the money, but. If you close off certain things, can you, is there, is there enough revenue that you can generate from that number one to, to justify opening it? And number two, would you put people at risk to do it? Like, so that's, that's personally, I don't think we see any fans at any sporting event the rest of this year, um, especially in the United States. I just don't personally see that, but it is an interesting thought. Like, can you put five or 10,000 fans or something like that to try to get a little bit of ticket money? and see what happens. I, I, I don't know if they'll be able to do that. Maybe it's something where if it doesn't start cropping back up, they say, hey, you know what? Starting in September, we're opening this, we're, we're selling tickets again or something. You know, I don't know. I think they should have um, one fan per game. Do <laughs> wherever you want. And, <laughs> like yeah. the lottery, yeah. right? Buy a lottery Three ticket times, to be the fan. Out, man. It's on you, <laughs> you know? How, how much do you like the Orioles? Do you get a head in front or do you have... <laughs> well, that, do you have to be in the bleacher? <laughs> your, your ticket bet, you got to sit exactly where your ticket is, or, you know, you're, you, you right. can move you. <laughs> at least they will at Oriole Park. Um, <clears throat> okay, so let's move on. Um, <clears throat> part of the, part of this fallout has been what's going on with the minor league players. Um, <clears throat> before this all started, there was a lot of talk that they wanted to get rid of, what I think around 42 minor league teams. Um, Personally, it's not something I'm necessarily against just because I think, you know, there, there are some organizations that have six and seven teams. I don't know if you need that many, um, but I also don't know how much it's really hurting you to do it either. I, I just, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where you could probably go either way. But <clears throat> what some of the owners are doing to these minor league players, um, I think this week uh, it came out about the Nationals and 
learner taking what a hundred dollars a week away from the players or whatever it was. Um, you know, learner I think is worth five and a half billion. I think the number was, and you know, these players they're making they're already severely underpaid, and you know they went from making four hundred to three hundred dollars a week during this. I believe there's. I mean, I saw um, I saw a tweet by Brit Brittany Giroli from uh, the Athletic the other day where she named like five or six teams, including the Orioles who are paying their players the full 400 bucks. I don't know if they're the only teams that are doing it. Um, it, But if it's only five or six teams, that's pretty disgraceful in my opinion. Um, So Bob, you recently wrote an article on Baltimore sports and life and posted it about this. So you want to share your thoughts and talk about your article? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's unconscionable uh, what not all the teams, but what a fair amount of the teams are doing to their minor leaguers. Keep in mind, these guys, most of them make about $1,300 a month um, and only for the season. And, the, you know, minor league seasons are shorter anyway. Um, so, you know, if David Price can pay a month's salary for every minor league player in the Dodger system, you know, I'm pretty sure the owners can, can find that money in their couch cushions without, without a whole lot of trouble. And beyond sort of the moral issue, I guess the problem I have with it is it seems like, I think the term I used in the article was a lion eating its young. This is your your talent development system that you have set up. And, and I understand that they, the owners have been put, you know, they've been gearing towards changing their minor league system for some time. And it's almost like the coronavirus is almost like a cover, you know, like an excuse to now push forward with it, maybe more drastically than they had initially planned to. And I just wonder when you have a sport where most of the players take three, four, six, seven, eight years to make it to the major leagues before they're ready. What kind of players are you going to have in the major leagues? What What is that going to do to your major league talent level? You're going to miss some guys for sure that, that will simply not play baseball who might have developed into stars. But I also wonder about how, what talent... <laughs> what level of development these players will have when they reach the minor, the major leagues. Um, so it just feels like it's a gamble where you risk, you're saving a little money and you risk hurting your core product in the long run. And uh, I guess one other quick little, little thing. Um, I, I, I'm not saying I know what'll happen with cutting a bunch of minor league teams, but my thought is I grew up in a minor league uh, city, Spokane, Washington, which when I was used to be a triple A city, when I was growing up, it was single A and it still is. That's creates baseball fans. Um, and, and I wonder about that also, again, we we've talked before about baseball having problem marking in it, its product versus the other sports. I don't see that as being a, a wise move if you're trying to build fan interest in your sport. I think that's a great point, Bob. Um, and not honestly one that I, that I thought of. I, I really enjoyed your piece, by the way. I read it this morning. Um, 
was well done. People should check it out at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess ultimately I don't have a whole heck of a lot more to add. I think it's it's crummy. It's kicking people when they're down. Um, it speaks to lack of character, lack of humanity on the part of the owners. Um, and uh, doesn't make me want to support them in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, minor league baseball, it may or may not be the, you know, the, you know, the, the outer reaches of the minor leagues may or may not be the greatest pipeline for major league talent. Um, uh, as you know, as you noted, Bob, and I think that's, that's probably true. And I think, you know, if you want to, you want to maximize profits and, you know, minimize your expenses from a purely, you know, corporate business standpoint, you know, in the moment now, not looking 20 years down the line, but right now, then maybe that's the best way to do it. Um, you know, I, I get it from that standpoint. I don't like it from that standpoint, but I get it. Um, but I think, I think your point at the end there is the one that really drove it home for me is that, you know, that's ultimately you're trying to, you're trying to create and, and grow the fan base like that. If, if there aren't any baseball fans and then, then you're wasting your time, you know, um, you being the owners, <clears throat> you guys are owners of major league baseball teams. So, um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's, you know, that's really key going to, uh, going to a game and, you know, experiencing baseball in person is I think the greatest way to grow fans. Um, and, uh, and, and this is going to hurt that, you know, how much, I don't know, maybe not that much, but it seems like, uh, it seems like it would be substantial to me. And, uh, and that's, that sucks. Well, I think, I think what Bob touched on about what it means to some cities is really the, the, the bigger point. Um, I, I, so for the Orioles, the team that they're talking about getting rid of is the Frederick Keys. They've been they've been around forever for the Orioles. Essentially, the Orioles they have two two A ball teams. They have a low A and a high A. Uh, the low A team is in Delmarva, uh, nice nice little stadium that they have down there. Uh, you know, you, a lot of the Orioles' better prospects were there last year at the lower level. Um, <clears throat> so basically, Delmarva would turn into what Frederick is, and <clears throat> you know that would be that for. The Frederick Keys, you know, they usually draw a pretty good crowd. Uh, Frederick is about has become kind of a destination uh, place for people to live who work in D.C. Uh, it's about a forty-five minute commute to get to D.C. from Frederick. Uh, it's it's a lot less expensive than if you lived right around D.C. <clears throat> so, um, for people who maybe went out to Frederick 25 or 30 years ago, if you went back now, you wouldn't recognize it. You know, it used to be kind of this farm type area, very country. Uh, and now it looks like a city. It's one of the bigger cities in, in Maryland. And, you know, the keys have been there through all of that, basically. And the, the one thing that you constantly see at a minor league game are young people. Um, not that you don't see young people at a major league game, but you know, the minor league games, you know, there's a lot more interaction, you know, you have fans that get to go do, do stuff like on the grounds crew and, you know, things of that nature. So there's a lot of connection as what, which is basically what Bob is talking about 
at that level. <clears throat> so if you get rid of that, does that hurt your connection for those fans in that particular area? Now, if they get rid of the Frederick Keys, will that affect my son's connection? Uh, I'm 45, 50 minutes away. I may never take him to a Frederick Keys game. I don't know. Maybe I would. Maybe I wouldn't. But <clears throat> that may not necessarily hurt his connection. But it might hurt a lot of people who live out in Frederick. And if you do that in every state, and you do that, in a, you know, you do it in every city in every state, you start to lose fans, and you start to lose generations of fans. I mean, you know, you know, it's all sick. You know, it's all in effect. So um, that that that's what's going to be interesting. The, the other thing that has really irritated me with this is the way that they're trying to save money with uh, how they're going to pay the draft salaries and the bonuses. They want to wait multiple years to pay them off. They're talking about pushing off the, um, the international free agent signing day several months, which, you know, most of these kids are 16 years old. They, you know, they have nothing you know, and the idea that you're going to give them $300,000 or, you know, or some of them, you know, obviously some more, some less, but you give them a decent amount of money, you know, that, that brings their families out of poverty and everything. And now you're saying, oh, well, we're going to put that off several more months. I mean, that, that, which in, a, in some of these countries, several months could mean literally life and death with, you know, food and, you know, things of that nature. So the idea that they're, that they're trying to push all of this off to save some money is is really ridiculous and at no and in no way do i believe it has anything to do with the coronavirus because again they were talking about doing this stuff before it even happened yeah i, I agree with you there i don't think it has anything to do with the coronavirus if anything it's just sort of a, a, an excuse to accelerate things um maybe and and i don't know what you guys think of this but it occurs to me that maybe they're they're hoping that they can push baseball towards a similar system that we have in football and basketball, where where colleges are essentially your minor league uh, development system, which costs those leagues nothing. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I think that. Uh... I think that's not going to work for baseball. I mean, you talked about this before, Bob, where it takes guys a long time to get to the majors, to get, get through the minor league system, and that's because baseball is a different kind of sport that requires a whole lot more learning on the part of an individual individual player before they're able to compete at the major league level. There just aren't it, – it's not about freak athleticism like it is in, in the NFL or the NBA or even in hockey to a certain extent. Um, and, and you just need that, that time. Most guys, in fact, just about everybody. I mean, off the top of your head, how many guys can you think of both of you who went straight from who, who skipped, uh, skipped the minor leagues entirely? John Olerud's the only guy that comes to mind and he, uh, he played at least three years of college. I yeah. believe. Um, what was it? One of the bell brothers, buddy bell, didn't he? One of them, I think. I mean, so yeah. now we're back in the eighties, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mike Mike Mussina had <laughs> yeah. very, very little minor league time. Yeah, um, right. Very, very, very little. Um, I, think, um, I think Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, <laughs> may have skipped it. Um, he had at least a year, okay. I believe. Okay. So yeah. even these great superstars, uh, 
you know, even guys with, uh, you know, inner circle hall of fame credentials spend some time in the minors. I mean, Mike Trout, probably the best baseball player of all time, um, you know, was in the minors for some period of time, multiple years, came up to the majors, couldn't play very well, got sent back down, Mike Trout. Um, so I, I just don't think baseball as a sport works like that. Um, so, you know, maybe it will at some point in the future, but, uh, but it doesn't now. Yeah. I mean, I think the best, if you draft, and we'll get into the draft here in a second, but if you're the Orioles and you're the Tigers, the t- teams that are the, the top two teams drafting, they're, they're very, very likely both going to take a college bat. Uh, with with both of the first picks, there, there's possibility of pitcher, but likely they're going to take a bat. If I'm drafting a college bat, now that's if you, of course, if there's a minor league season in the year that they're drafted and stuff, which isn't going to happen this year. But if I'm drafting a college bat, if that player is not ready to be up within two years, especially if you're drafting them high, two years, I don't know that you can really figure that they're going to be that number one, number two, top five pick, whatever that you ex- that you drafted them and hoping them for them to be. Uh, uh, unless, of course, they had an injury or something like that that slowed them up. But for the most part, I think the college players, to kind of get to Bob's point, I think that the elite college players, if they do what they're supposed to do and they continue to develop, which of course is the key here, um, they listen to coach and they do all that kind of stuff. I think they can be up quickly to where college kind of did serve as a platform for them to get to the minor leagues. However, I mean, to get to the major leagues. However, <clears throat> I do think they still need that year or two, you know, those 500 or 600 at bats, those 200 innings or, or whatever it is to get to that point. So I, I think it can kind of be both, but, you know, and, and with, with all the leagues that all these guys are playing, they're playing baseball a lot more now than they were, you know, all year round more than they were say 25 years ago or whatever. So, you know, you're, you're, you're able to do it, but you know, you also obviously with pitching, you have to worry about injuries. I mean, there's a whole lot of different things that you have to deal with, um, you know, to, to, to get to that point. So, I mean, I, I can see team, but here's the thing. The, The real question with what Bob is saying is whether they should or not, isn't really the question in my opinion. The question is, is will the owners think of it that way? And, you know, and it wouldn't surprise me if they would, if they can save a buck doing it. Hard to argue against that. (laughs) Well, the only thing I could think of about that is at some point, then the owners have to stop drafting high school players Mm -hmm. because they are forcing themselves, um, in developing those players by removing them from that pipeline. Um, of course, yeah, maybe, and maybe they'll do that. Maybe they'll alter the draft, um, you know, to, to make that happen. But the way it is now, and, and I was just looking back at some old, you know, some recent drafts, there's a lot of high school guys who get selected, you know, in the top, in the top five, in the top 10. Um, and, uh, I don't. Th- I don't think you can do that, and if you're not going to have like you know, the uh, you know low A, whatever it is, uh, <laughs> you know teams, um, you need you need those guys to get the seasoning there. So, yeah, I but, agree. If, if if I were the Orioles, if you're getting rid of a team, to me, I would get rid of their AAA team in Norfolk, Virginia, which isn't that far. It's only about 
24-ish hours or so and make Bowie your AAA for the for first of all to keep all of your minor league teams essentially in you know at least your main ones would all be in Maryland so they'd yeah. all be close to you know to, to, to the to the Orioles organization but um you know also for the reason you just stated I would rather not get rid of the lower levels for that reason I mean let's face it AAA and you know AAA has gotten to the point now where you know my you know your best prospects are skipping AAA um you know AAA is for you know the taxi squad and for, you know, your quadruple a players that can't quite make it in majors, but are there, you know, that's what a triple a, a lot of times is becoming now, even if your better prospects get to triple a, they're not staying there for long. You know, most of them are, you know, they're in, they're in, you know, they'll be in single a and double a. And then once they start producing at the double a level, it's they're they're on the radar. They're ready to come up and, you know, especially pitching. Cause you only get so many, you only get so many innings out of these arms. So there's no reason to waste them. So um, that that's that's what's going to be to me that that's that that's how I would look at it and you know the idea of them drafting high school players is is a good reason for it. I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, I've I've heard um, arguments along those lines or discussions along those lines as far as AAA goes, and I, I think that's an interesting um, point, Rob. You know, instead of cutting the smaller teams, cut the big ones, and then then you're saving a bunch of money um, all in one. Uh, you know, fell swoop. Um, I, I think there is something to AAA as a finishing school of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think it's possible that you could use AA as sort of the, you know, the big jump that it is now for, for prospects, sort of a pre MLB, um, you know, place as, as well as, uh, you know, where, where the taxi squad hangs out and you're, you know, your 20 year old reliever who's got a good fastball, but can't figure out how to throw an off speed pitch to save his life. And, you know, maybe he hangs out and, uh, you know, works with the double a pitching coach instead of, uh, instead of the triple a one. I don't know. Um, that's an interesting idea. Okay. So speaking of the draft, let's just move on. We'll end with that tonight. Um, <clears throat> As we know, the draft is, has been knocked down to five rounds. Uh, I think, personally, I believe this is all tied in. Um, if they're going to get rid of minor league teams, to me it would make sense that they're no longer going to have a 40-round draft. Um, <clears throat> I, I think I, I would be surprised if we see a draft of more than, say, 20 or 25 rounds in the future. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I think this is yet again Major League Baseball trying to you know, not only just save a buck, but I think there is something at play here where they're trying to look at things in the future and see, you know, if this works, um, you know, major league baseball for years has been trying to figure out ways to fix the draft. And, you know, to me, trading draft picks is a, would be a big help with that. Uh, that's the type of thing that does get some fan interest going and, and, and things. I mean, you watch with the NFL, I mean, the NFL, everything that they do gets fan interest, but the trading of the draft picks and stuff like that, people really get into that. Even in the NBA draft, they do as well. So, I like to see, you know, they, they, they can overhaul the draft. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I don't like the way they're doing it this year. Uh, but there is still going to be five rounds. Um, and if you're the Orioles, you have the most money to spend this year of any team in the draft. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty in the draft this year. Um, I think that's probably the number one takeaway from this draft as we go into it is, you know, usually you've had, 
this season to watch the high school players and the college players develop more and stuff like that. And guys will rise and fall on the boards and things like that. And you have no knowledge of any of that. So this is going to be in a lot of ways a very much a shot in the dark, even more so than what the normal major league baseball draft is. So, you know, the, the top names being talked about um, Spencer Torkelson, first baseman out of, uh, out of Arizona state essentially is being compared to kind of a, a Paul Goldschmidt type guy, maybe with even more power. Um, there's Austin Martin, the, you know, considered like the, with the best hit tool, very athletic kid from Vanderbilt can play a little shortstop, maybe third base probably ends up in center field. Um, there's a couple of top pitchers, Asa Lacey from Texas A&M and Emerson, uh, Hancock from Georgia are the two big pitching names. And then the, 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 uh, the one high school player that's really starting to jump up the boards is Zach Veen, an outfielder, uh, from Florida in Florida. Uh, he's kind of jumped up late re- recently from like more, you know, like a top 10 to a top five type guy. So, um, if you're the Orioles, uh, which direction do you think they should go in? What, not necessarily, if you don't know the, if, if you don't have necessarily the idea of the player exactly, but more of like the, the philosophy, what do you think they should be looking to do? Uh, I think that, and I, I, I want to point out one thing real quick um, before I answer that question. Uh, it, these teams have all been scouting these players for years. Mm-hmm. So it's, you're right when you say that, that you know, they, they're missing this last year of data. Like that's kind of important, but um, you know, the, the teams have been scouting Emerson Hancock for, well, probably since early in high school, um, you know, uh, and, and same with Asa Lacey and, and uh, Torkelson, et cetera. Um, I think if I were the Orioles, um, I, I think you need starting pitching Um that's one of the more, uh, you know, uncertain areas. Bats are a lot easier to project, or if not a lot easier, then certainly easier. Um, so you're taking a little more risk when you take a pitcher up high. Um, so I, I think I'd be looking at one of those, um, one of the pitchers, uh, you know, college pitchers. Um, if I were, if I were Baltimore, I, I, I think it's really hard to win in the majors unless you have strong starting pitching. Um, obviously that means spending a lot of draft capital on, um, on starting pitchers because just like any position, you know, you, you kind of need to hit it more than once before you get anything out of it at the major league level. And since there's five starting pitchers on a major league roster, or, you know, uh, on a major league roster, at least when healthy, um, you know, you need, you need a bunch. So, um, but I think that's, I think that's the direction I would go if I were the Orioles go after, uh, Hancock, go after Lacey. I, you know. I can't, I can't tell you the difference between the two, why you should pick one over the other, but I think as a holistic kind of thing, that's, that's where, if I, where I'd go if, if I were the Orioles, but that's actually not where I see a lot of people having, uh, you know, projecting them. I think it's, it's uh, Martin or, um, or Torkelson. It seems like the, the, the more conservative route with the hitters is the, uh, it seems to be the, you know, the way that uh, most people are projecting the top of the draft to go. Sounds good. Is this where we bring in Keith Law? <laughs> Don't worry. If it's the Orioles, he's going to hate whatever they do. So, <laughs> actually, I think I think you guys both did a great breakdown. Uh, you you know much more about these guys than I do. Um, 
I think the philosophy of, of going toward guys, especially when you only have five picks, uh, you know, use those picks, each one at the top of the round, right. Or right at near the top of the round, um, to get as sure a thing as you can, guys who are further developed college players, uh, get them here and then sign as many guys as you can allow as you're allowed to sign and, uh, go from there. It's just a very weird year. And, uh, go for the, what you think is the, the best sure thing you can. And, uh, the pitching thing that makes sense to me, um, Matt, because they are harder to find and you only have five picks. So it makes sense to me. Um, what about you, Rob? Well, the Orioles actually have six this year. Uh, they have three of the top 39 picks. They pick one, 30, and 39. Um, <clears throat> for me, if I'm drafting to the top of the draft, uh, as long as there's a college bat there worthy of taking, I'm always taking the college bat. Um, I think if you're a team like the Orioles, you have to hit on that pick. Um now, have to is a strong word because, you know, maybe your fourth round pick turns into a Hall of Famer. And if your first round pick is terrible, then who cares? But <clears throat> I think you've got to hit on that pick. <clears throat> I think the draft this year, you're going to see a lot of guys that maybe fall for signability or people aren't sure. I agree with Matt that everybody's been, these kids have been scouted for years. But, you know, there might be a guy that, say, Mike Elias is very high on that, you know, maybe he feels should be a top 20 guy, but like, you know, other teams aren't as sure on them because they didn't see him enough this, the rest of this year and he falls to 30. Um, <clears throat> I think if I'm the Orioles, I'm taking whichever Martin or Torkelson, whichever one the, the Tigers don't take. Um, <clears throat> I won't be upset if they take the pitcher. And I would fully expect them to take at least one pitcher with picks 30 and 39, maybe even two. Um, but I think I would, I would lean towards going with the, the better player at a premium position. Um, now Torgelson is not at a premium position, but the way they talk about him, that he is like, they would have rated him higher than say Andrew Vaughn from last year's draft who went, what I think second or third to the White Sox, um, they, they, they believe, you know, from what I've read, that he's one of the more highly rated uh, offensive prospects that they've had in a while. And Martin is a top of the order, if you believe in top of the order, you know, stealing bases, it's what needs to be. But, you know, a guy that, you know, he gets on base, um, you know, good hit tool, good, great athlete, good defensively, a premium position. So um, <clears throat> to me, that's the, the, the Orioles – not that they don't need pitching because obviously not only do they need pitching, but every team needs pitching, but the Orioles actually have some pretty solid pitching talent coming up. What they don't have, they have nothing in the infield and they have nothing in center field in their minor league system. Um, unless some 18 year old kid that they have right now develops like a Gunnar Henderson or one of the guys that they sign internationally or something like that. But the, you know, those are way off, but <clears throat> for the most part, they have nothing in any of those areas. Um, the other decision that the Orioles will have to make is, is do you sign a guy for under slot? Uh, do you draft a guy? Uh, one of the guys that, that Keith Law actually happened to mention is, uh, I think his name is pronounced Kierstad. He's an outfielder from Arkansas that most people have going somewhere in the bottom half of the top 10. Do the Orioles grab a guy like that, uh, pay him you know a million and a half bucks less than what the number two pick would normally get and use that money for the 30th and the 39th pick or something like that for guys who fall. 
Um, that's been a talk. Uh, another guy that people seem to like, but maybe not quite as much as Martin is, uh, I think, is Nick Gonzalez. He's a second baseman. Kind exactly. of the kind of the idea of do you draft a second baseman in the top three or so? Uh, I know the White Sox did it with uh, Nick Madrigal. Uh, I think it was two drafts ago. Um, but you know, that, that's, that's a kind of a talk too. It's like, do you do that? So, um, per- personally, I, I don't, I don't want to play with the under slot stuff. If I'm the Orioles, I- I'm taking the best player on the board. Um, I think you just have to add the best talent you can and, 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 wor- and not worry about the under slot. They've got enough money they can use for the other rounds. I agree with that. Um, I think you can make uh, you can make credible arguments, uh, either way as to how they should go. I, my only concern with Torkelson, and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm no expert on him. So, but any guy who's already using college and already positionally limited like that, it puts so much pressure on the bat to come out. Mm-hmm. You know, if he, if he's a, you know, hits 260, 325 and slugs 430, that's a failure. Yep. Like you, you can't have a guy at first base who hits like that. Right. But if, you know, if he's a center fielder, then he's going to play all the time. If he can play, you know, defensively um, with, with those kind of uh, you know, flash stats. So um, I think, uh, I think if you're going to take Torkelson, you got to be really sure about the bat. And, you know, considering he's been talked about as the first overall pick, people must be pretty sure. Um, so I, but that would be, that would be my concern. Um, just because there's even, if, even with a number one overall guy, you just don't know most of the time, you know, he's not Bryce Harper. Um, this isn't a rod, whatever. Um, so, uh, I think, uh, I, I would lean towards a guy who can provide you some value defensively, um, and maybe on the bases as well. That's less of a concern for me, but, you know, defensive value, um, in, in case the bat doesn't become all world, um, and the other thing about that is think about all the players, you know, in the majors who, um, who can't hit or I'm sorry, who can't field and get, you know, get taken to, you know, drop to first base or DH. There's, there's a fair amount of guys out there. You know, if you're judicious and smart, which, uh, you know, Mike Elias is, um, he should be able to come across a guy who, you know, can replicate average first base production, um, without much much of an issue, so the you know what what then you have to get out of Torkelson is you know all star level uh, um, hitting. Um, so again, that's that would be that would be my concern. But um, I don't. Know, it'll it'll be interesting to see uh, see which way they go. I I I love the draft. I love uh, following along and seeing uh, you know especially going back a couple years and looking at it and, and being like oh my god I can't believe they took that dude over that dude what the, what were they thinking uh, Mike Trout says hello to everybody <laughs> I know well the red you know the Red Sox never had a chance to draft Mike Trout they were one of the only teams yeah tear goes down my cheek for that one I know <laughs> yeah I mean the, the, the point of Torgelson's a good one because one of the things that that's been talked about on on the bottom on our message board has basically been if if you draft a guy like that you you better get Frank Thomas out of it for basically the reasons that you're saying if, if you're yeah. not getting that all-star level otherworldly you know you're putting up a 380 plus on base you know 500 plus slugging and you're you're hitting 35 plus homers if you're not getting that 
Because let's face it, you could be the best defensive first baseman ever, and you're still only providing so much value defensively to your team. Not that they don't provide any, but obviously it's, you know, there's a reason it's the easiest position everybody, they move everybody there if they can't field. So um, if you're not, if, if, if you're not, if he's not going to be, like if he's just merely, like let's just say he's Trey Mancini. Now yeah. Trey Mancini is, you know, he, he's a good player. Now, you know, last year he was one of the top 30 offensive players in the game, and I wouldn't expect him to be that going forward. But if you're just an 800 or an 820 OPS player at first base and you're drafted first, you're not a bust, but you're not you're not worthy of that pick. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, so again, yeah, you gotta be you gotta be really sure about the about that bat. Um so that's yeah, that's why I would go with go with Lacey. I mean, sometimes there's this just that guy who is, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else with the bat. And I you know, just the fact that people are talking about picking someone besides Torkelson at the top of the draft sort of indicates to me that he's not that. That doesn't mean that he couldn't be because guys get the draft wrong all the time. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately I think, I think they need to do, um, you know, what you said, Rob, which is take the best guy they can get, whoever that is, um, you know, whatever in their estimation, the best player is get, get that guy. And then, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Um, but I would be concerned about that. Um, but then, hey, I would draft a pitcher. So what do I know? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the one thing that you're saying is definitely for sure is that they, the, there is no consensus number one guy this year. You know, right. last year, Adley Rutschman was the definite guy. You know, yeah. and in the past, we've seen guys like Harper and, you know, and, and, you know, and A-Rod and all those types of players. There was never a doubt who was going number one. This year, there may not be a doubt because of, well, you know, this is the guy that was one of the talked about guys and he started off the year really hot. I think he had like six homers in like a few games before the before they shut it down and things like that. But but there's no consensus that he is the guy that right. you should definitely take. And that's, you know, that's part of the crapshoot of this draft this year is that you don't have some of that definitive answers at the top. Yep. Interesting to see uh, where the O's go with it. Yep, for sure. Okay, so um, that will wrap up the the, uh, the 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 talk tonight. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Um, Matt and Bob, just real quick before we go, do you guys have any things that you want to plug? Any articles or podcasts or anything that you're getting ready to to do anytime soon? Uh, no, I mean, it just if you, if you haven't seen the article I posted, uh, go check it out. Uh, if you're interested in this stuff uh, about the minor leagues and about kind of uh, my thoughts on what I think major league baseball owners are trying to do with that. And then head on over to the message board and uh, join the conversation over there. Um, I am going to submit at some point this week, hopefully sooner rather than later, the third installment of my series about the, uh, the best individual seasons by (laughs) Orioles players um, by position. I'm um, still got to hit on the pitching staff and uh, and the managers, uh, <coughs> Earl Weaver, excuse me. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see how that comes out. I uh, it, it's a, it's been a fun series to write. It's taken me forever to 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 do it, not because it's hard, uh, but because the world is a weird place. But um, that will uh, that'll get posted at some point this week, uh, I think, and uh, so people can look look for that at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of discussion about that article and, you know, debating on which, you know, who, who, who should be what and all that kind of stuff. 
And just so people know, Bob's current article, if you go to the message board to read it, it is on the Major League section, not the Orioles section, just so everybody knows, because it's more of a broad-based article about everything as opposed to just the Orioles. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon.